From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, our first guest today is Talamika Bryce, who we'll speak with about the book Pantsuit Nation. What began as a Facebook group has blossomed into a book, and she's the only Mississippian included in that book. A later guitarist and singer-songwriter, Chad Wesley, joins us, and we'll chat with him about his methods for playing music and learn about his sophomore album set to release soon. You can join in on the conversation at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at Marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on a very soggy Monday. Hope you're having a good day. More rain on the way. It's coming in from Texas. I know it would be nice if it stopped. Man, yesterday it rained, especially here in central Mississippi. I mean, it rained hard. And guess who was out driving in it? Why? That would be me. You. It was so much fun. I was driving down the Natchez Trace, always a lovely drive, and it literally was like driving through a car wash. I mean, oh you, could, you could not see like three That's feet in front analogy. of me. Yeah, and here I am, you know, I'm so I, I was up really, really cool afternoon. I got to go do a commencement speech at East Webster High School. I uh, won't tell you a little bit about that, but I looked on the radar right as we're starting to wind up the, the commencement, and I'm seeing everything's blowing up along I-55, which is how I normally go, right? So I said, well, I'll take the Natchez Trace. And as you know, if you drive over 50 miles an hour in the Natchez Trace, the ranger will pop out from behind a tree and give you a real big fat ticket. So right. I'm thinking, hmm, okay, maybe if I push it to 60 and every time I see a white car, I slam on the brakes, I'll be okay. Uh, made it to about Carthage, lovely town of Carthage, and it literally turned night. And I was like, wow. oh no. And a tree, so what'd you do? Uh, slowed down, turned my blinkers on and, my, and just drove really slow because there was no place to pull off. And there was a tree had fallen down and gotten part of a car and there was a ranger there so i said hey there's a ranger i can speed up a little bit you know but i didn't i didn't speed because it was <laughs> raining too hard but other than that it was um that was excitement i mean i got home and you know you ever seen the pope get off the airplane and kiss the ground yeah man i fell out of the car and i was like mwah, mwah, mwah. i was so glad to be home yesterday you had a huge saturday I did. I yeah. got to audition for the Heart of the City uh, show that's going to be on Comedy Central. Kevin Hart, who's just a huge comedian, has made his way to Mississippi, and so he's going to pick four comedians out of the entire state to be featured on his Heart of the City show on Comedy Central. Oh, so, you have so got this. And we'll see. I had five to seven minutes to do my thing. Right. I did. I had a lot of folks in the crowd who were there to see me. Very supportive, and I was able to feed off that energy. So we don't find out until a while. So now the wait begins. I have some folks in Memphis who competed at the beginning of May, and they haven't heard anything yet. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So oh, the, wow. The wait is what's going to be challenging. Oh, that's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you got it. I mean, I, I, mean so. I know you got it. But the, And you always watch comedians, and you can always tell when they run out of time because they're, like, doing their set, and all suddenly they just end. Right. And so you had, if you went over, it was like a laser would have shot you and burned you up. Yeah. So you'd you, been disqualified. Yeah, you'd been disqualified. So you couldn't. So, but they warned you with like a little flash. Mm-hmm. And they there were, was a lady back there taking pictures. Yeah. So I thought uh, it was my time to wrap up. And mm-hmm. when I got off stage, turns out I had a whole minute left. But the six minutes I did were very good and effective. So, uh, you know, uh, I lost that minute, but it was, it was still fun. I had about 15 minutes to do the commencement speech. 
and where uh, East Webster High School. Okay. Uh, and I tell you, it's a pretty incredible story in its own right. You know, we like stories of resilience. In 2011, a tornado went up the Natchez Trace. And took a, if you drive from around Matheson and go north, like toward Tupelo on the trace, mm-hmm. there's like no trees. I mean, it took, it went right down the middle of the trace. And then it took a right turn and took out this high school. Wow. I mean, every building got damaged, but I think two small buildings. So they rebuilt it. It's really nice. And we were in the gym and the gym is an EF5 tornado shelter. I mean, wow. it is like a bunker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we were in there, and it was cool. And they used to have it out on the football field. And me, who sweats a lot and whose people came from caves, I was very <laughs> glad that I wasn't out there in my suit, you know, melting like the guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the Nazi <laughs> guy that melts. That's what I look yeah. like in the heat. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and, 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 you know, the kids come in, and um, over half of them, half of them, Sharita, got honors. Oh, my goodness. That's great. I thought that it was just awesome. I was so happy for them. And uh, there That's was one, one kid tripped over the plastic and another, you know, so all they were, like, trying to step over it so they didn't trip <laughs> and everything. And this one kid jumped, jumped out of nowhere and just fixed it. I was like, now that's leadership right there. Right. So I had about 15 minutes. And, you know, when you're doing a commencement speech, two things. Number one, nobody's going to remember it. That and, is not true. And number two, if well, it ends up on Facebook, it'll be remembered forever. Well, uh, well, everything on Facebook or, or YouTube is remembered <laughs> forever. Right. But I, I had 15 minutes and I didn't want to stink. And uh, why? Well, actually, there's a much rougher word I would have normally used for that. Uh, but got through it. It was great. They liked it. And then the, the valedictorian and the salutatorian. 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 Thank you. It's Monday. (laughs) What was the overall theme of your speech? Uh, Basically, I told the story of how my dad taught me how to water ski. Mm -hmm. You know, basically drug me around the lake until I got gills because I drank so much water. And then when I got up, he knocked me down. You know, he'd drive the boat in circles and Mm -hmm. I hit a stick and did it. He came by and made me grab the rope and get back up because he didn't want my story to be how I fell down. He wanted my story about how I got back up. And then you go 30 years into the future or gosh, was it 30? Yeah, something like that, 20 years in the future. Uh, I'm laying there after my cancer surgery, and he literally pokes me in the forehead and picks me up and carries me and walks me around the block because he said, I don't want your story to be about how you had cancer. I want your story how you got back up. Yeah. So that was kind of the theme overall, and I told, you know, a few, got some laughs, and it was good. Um, Well, my little brother is graduating today from Jim Hill High School. Is he really? That'll be the Coliseum. And I say my little brother, he towers over me. It's so weird coming from seeing him as a baby, and now he's all tall and handsome. If I, I'm 5'3", he's a 5'10", I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's a, a tall one. He graduates today, and I'm asking him how he feels, and he's like, ah, I don't care. I just, I'm ready to work and make my own money. <laughs> so oh, wow. He's now gotten a job at a at a, a sports store, and so he's excited about making his own money. And I said, good, and I'm excited about your family discounts. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you remember that first time you got that first check and you thought you were rich? Yeah. And if, now if you got that kind of money, you, like, wouldn't be able to afford Pop-Tarts and Raymond Noodles. Right. You know, but you were like, oh, it's my my money. I earned it. This is great. And then you saw how much taxes were taken out and you're like, oh, that hurt. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the thing about graduation and I was thinking back to mine, which was a long time ago, 31 years ago. Um, I don't remember much of it, but I tell you what I remember about it. It was like almost like so sudden and so mm-hmm. final because here you'd been for 12 years with the same group of people pretty much doing everything together. And all suddenly, man, you grab that piece of paper and you walk out of that stage and you never see some of those people again. Right. And that was really amazing. So well, I graduated eight years ago uh, from Jackson Ooh, State. And I remember, I remember we, we graduated the Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. And I just remember it being hot out there. There oh, were literally cool. folks passing 
out because it was hot out there. So luckily, my brother's graduation is going to be inside. But it's cool in Jackson today anyway. But that's what I remember. And yeah, then, but it's raining. Yeah, that's true. That would be a slight problem. We're still inside. Yeah. And also, kind of staying along this graduation topic, did you sure. see those uh, Notre Dame students walk out <laughs> yeah. of uh, Mike Pensman's? Yeah. Mike Pence is uh, the, his the, uh, Mike commencement. Mike Pensman. <laughs> the Pensman. There you go. Yeah, his uh, commencement. Glad to address. see you're doing it too now. So. Yeah. Yeah. There was better. like an, an, uh, an active group at the school, and, you know, that, that was their form of protest. I was very grateful nobody walked out on me. <laughs> yeah. but if they had, I did have uh, a couple babies right behind me that were just raising cane. And oh, that's, really? that's tough. You talk about a heckler. Oh. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you can't, like, smack down, you know, a baby. That's, like, really bad. Right. You know, Get that thing that. out of here. You can't do that. Uh, just to switch gears, and on a really sad note, and I think a lot of people in Mississippi, and particularly here in the Jackson area, are still really feeling it and hurt and down about uh, the very tragic death of Kingston Frazier. And I, I can tell you, I, of course, did the cartoon, and I've I had, you know, let me talk about that cartoon a little bit. If you didn't see it, I had him up in heaven with the angel, and the angel was comforting him, saying, there's no monsters here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happened was, of course, that was all going on. It had been Amber Alert early in the morning, and uh, been, my phone kept going off and off and off, and we are so praying. Because normally when there's a carjacking like that, usually the, the baby or the child gets put out. You know, so we're kind of hoping that maybe they might find him on the side of the road or something. And, of course, it had a very tragic ending. I don't know about you, Sharita, but I was mad. I was mad. I I was was sad. sad. I was anxious. It was was just... Every emotion went through my body. Yeah, I mean, I literally um, had flames coming out of my ears. And then I was very upset and sad, too, because he's such a precious child. You know, he really was a good-looking little boy. And uh, so I tried to switch gears on how I was feeling to something maybe with some comfort. And uh, the cartoon... uh, Honestly, probably got shared on Twitter the second most of anything I've ever had shared on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really, and, and I've had a lot of people stop me, even up in, you know, at, in Webster County, uh, saying how much they really appreciated the cartoon. Well, uh, it, it it immediately for for some of us now, for some people, they went into this self righteous thing. Well, I wouldn't have done this and whatever. Yeah. So you had that, but for some people, it was a time of reflection. They're thinking about their own kids, thinking about things they could do better uh, to protect their children. Um, and so, lots of people related to this. I yeah. mean, I don't have any children. I have a nephew, my my best friend's son. I'm, I'm close with him as well. And so, it it all it struck a nerve, whether you had kids or not. And you know. Everybody was just just so taken aback by it. It really know? was, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm a dad, and I've got three boys. Uh, my the other day, uh, about a week ago, I ran into the Kroger, not the same one, and it was a nice day, and it was daylight and everything. And I just said, "Hey, I'm gonna run. Do you guys want to go in? No, we don't want to go in." I was like, "Okay." Well, I cracked the windows. And I said, "I'll be out in about five minutes." Right. Didn't leave the car running, mind you. I mean, it's a little different, but I, you're right because there were a lot of people that got into finger pointing mode right away. Mm-hmm. I was not one of them because I have done enough things in my life that could have turned out tragically because of my own stupidity or just being ill prepared as a parent. That you're right, because you're just thinking, oh, God, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Because you never know when you're going to cross paths with a monster. Right, right. Uh, really. And, I mean, the, the case is still developing. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I think people should just reserve speculation. You oh, know? Well, that's, my, my mind is just pray for the family. Oh, yeah, pray for the family yeah. and pray for the little boy. Yeah. You yeah. know, and just keep that at the forefront. For me, that's what I'm doing. Well, least. and it's so easy with social media because everybody said, and we've all watched Law and Order for the last 20 years, so we're all little detectives. Right. So we all, that's so we, the thing. I saw so many theories. It's incredible. <laughs> Rumors, outrage. I'm like, man, you folks need to be working for the FBI. Uh, no kidding. Productivity. <laughs> you got to figure it out. But 
sometimes you don't, except you don't. No, definitely. Did you watch basketball last night? Yes, I caught the tail end of the game, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, um, it's the last. I think it was the first bad game, LeBron's uh, playoff game that LeBron's played in. I don't know, maybe three years. Yeah, he had about 11 points, which was shocking. I mean, Kevin Love had 28, and somebody else had 29. So right. he has other folks to to supplement him. When I he's mean, it was a three point well. loss. It wasn't like they got blown out, but yeah. But the way they lost, Avery Bradley shot in that shot, and it rolled in. It bounced. Oh my gosh! It was Can ugly. You imagine being in there and seeing that ball <laughs> bounce around like that before it went in, and then the Cavs didn't have any time left to try to get a shot off to finish. Right. But it was good because the the playoffs have were been getting just, pretty pitiful. Everybody's just getting slaughtered. Yeah, it's I mean, been pitiful. Really, yeah. it has been. I mean, it's about as realistic as wrestling at this point. You're like, okay, yeah. is this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, so now the Cavs have a 2-1 lead, and still the Warriors are up, I think, 3-0 on the Spurs. So that's yeah. unfortunate as well. I took the Mrs., the beautiful Mrs. Ramsey, Amy, I took her to go see Guardians of the Galaxy too, which I had seen the week before, but I went to go see it again, this time with her. Mm-hmm. I laughed just as much the second time she laughed out loud. And you know it's amazing? You know, special effects are really getting good now, but the fact the writing is what matters. Yeah. And I sat there and cared about a, a fake raccoon and a fake tree more than I did actually the people in the movie. That's just incredible. <laughs> well, so. that's good writing then. Yeah, I'm very excited good about Wonder Woman. I am too. Yeah, it's been getting some good buzz. It has been this Alien movie. Have you seen that Alien Covenant? I have not seen it. It was the number one movie, made thirty six million dollars. Ooh, yeah. my goodness, a lot of cash. Uh, Guardians came in right second on that. I don't even recognize the rest of the movies that are in the top five. Everything, everything, every everything. I don't know what that's about. I guess it's. Yeah, me neither. Uh, snatched. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It came in sixth. It was kind of. Oh, it's been it? kind of a disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Snatched is with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn. That should be fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn both are in movies. Mm-hmm. So well, pretty incredible. Odds. Okay. I know. It's, but the thing weird about that movie to me is like Goldie Hawn has a daughter. She does. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to go get a fake daughter. They could have used the real daughter. Right. So because she's figure. an actress, so that would make sense. It would make sense. <laughs> well, we have a uh, local, I guess a now a national celebrity coming in. You could say that. Uh, on the f- cover of a book. That's pretty cool. With her son. Mm-hmm. Talamika Bryce is going to be joining us. And then later on, we're going to have Chad Wesley, incredible singer, songwriter, guitarist. You're going to enjoy that part of the show as well. Then, of course, you can be part of the show, too. You can give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Of course, you can give us a call at any time, 877-672-7464. That's 
MPB ring on a beautiful Monday. It's just sunny and blue out. No, it's not. It's raining. Uh, stay dry. We're in the central part of the state. It looks like we're in the southern part. We're going to get another two to four inches. So um, if you see me later this afternoon, I'll be building an ark and rounding up animals. So that'll be good. We actually have a soon-to-be national celebrity in the studio. It's going to be on the cover of a nationwide book. Uh, also, but she's an artist and a mom and all-around good folk. Talamika Bryce is in the studio. It's Hello. Good. Hi Hello. there. So, you, no, wait a minute. You were saying you're a fan of my work, but you're, you're the artist. I am, but as, as our artist subjective, like, there's some people that can draw that can't paint. True. And I love your, your style. I've followed it for years. And as an artist, I know it takes a while to craft that, yeah. to be confident in that. So whenever I see your work, I can understand it's Marshall Ramsey. So I'm like a huge fan. Well, that's the, you know, I actually draw like I did in third grade. <laughs> It's just a little sloppier now because I can't see. That's the big difference. You know, that goes. And the day I turned 40, my eyes went, like, oh, I can't see anymore. Uh, what? The, tell us a little bit about your artwork, though. Uh, you know, uh, art has kind of been my life and my passion for a while. And yeah. like a lot of artists, I do a number of different things from writing, which is part of the book, you know, that yes. I'm featuring, mm-hmm. from writing to photography to painting to drawing. I just happen to be one of the lucky ones that could do a lot of them. My yeah. husband is better at some aspects than I am. You married an artist? I did marry an wow. artist. Wow. I couldn't beat him, so I had to join him. He's pretty awesome. Is he really? He's pretty awesome. So my wife doesn't. Oh, she's an art teacher. But her art skills are, I mean, she's, she can teach, but she's not like, you know, man, my kids don't draw at all. I don't know whether or not my son sees us drawing. Yeah. So he tries to imitate us, which kind of is a bad thing when he starts drawing on the sofa and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to hide the Sharpies. Yeah. We're working on that. One thing, when my kids started drawing, I just would slap their hands as hard as I could with a ruler. <laughs> Until they would stop drawing. I was like, no, I want you to become an accountant or something. So, yeah, uh, so but anyway, congratulations. Of course, you're the owner of Bryce Media, and that's pretty neat. Now, talk a little bit about the book. The book's coming out. Um, actually, I think it, it came out May 9th. It did. It's Pantsuit Nation. It is. Uh, Pantsuit Nation started off as a Facebook group. Uh, the creator is Libby Chamberlain, a, right. a mom from Maine. Mm-hmm. And basically, during the election, I think you and I kind of were talking a bit behind the scenes so so much ugliness and to be honest we kind of needed a space to go and to vet as a minority and as someone who you know thinks loves differently than what's considered mainstream right um it divided a lot of us the people you know people that we loved and had broken bread with and pencil nation became a safe space to vent those emotions or talk about your candidate and and, and that's how it all started. So Pantsuit Nation started as a Facebook group and I just initially went on to kind of like look at the stories but I never participated but I was... So you were a lurker. I I was. Yeah. It's a bit of a lurker. Okay. Um, But uh, after the election, you know, when the election happened, I was newly pregnant. Yeah. And um, there were just so many emotions and just not in a good place. And it was uh, around midnight one night while putting my son back to sleep that I finally found my voice. So I wrote it out in Pantsuit Nation, and it went viral. And then from there, they uh, decided, you know, they took the Facebook group and reorganized it into a platform to see how to help others in the community. So they formed a 501c3 and started looking at different organizations to help. And the book is an extension of that. Okay. So out of the book, they narrowed it down to about 700 submissions, and I think like 140 or so were picked. 
And I was one of those 140 and the only Mississippian. Wow. I'm just sitting here right stunned. That's incredible. So, but you talk about viral. Um, isn't that amazing when that happens? Because you, you start hearing from people everywhere. Yes. And most of it has been positive. That's good. That's good, because it's never much fun when it gets it goes the other way around. You're no. like, ooh, that's good. Please don't let my children marry your children. That's what I'm always kind of hoping when I see that. You're in the book now, but not only that, you're now a cover. You're a cover model. You are a cover model. Uh, I am. And that, that photo, is really a funny story behind it, because I, I was under a lot of stress. I was newly pregnant, and I broke out in hives that week. No. I had an alert. Yeah. I, I started to try to do this super healthy diet. Yeah. And it just. It, it wasn't super healthy. It didn't agree with me. So that the day we were scheduled to take photos, I had it planned for like weeks. But the day we were scheduled to take it, I had just like the highs that finally come out of my face. And uh, I had put us all together. And a friend of ours came over and took some shot of us, shots of us as a family. And then my husband took the shot that's on the cover. He's a former photojournalist with the Army. Yeah. So there you go. And it's a great picture. I was just thinking you were worried about the hives and everything. Um, and, of course, we're getting senior pictures from my son, one of my sons. It's like they now have the Photoshop option. Yeah. It could be like a supermodel. Or they, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow, I look like uh, Tyra Banks now. It's like, <laughs> this is awesome. But it's beautiful. You're holding your son. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it, there's a bunch of pictures on the page. So you're like one of many. So not only are you the only Mississippian in the book, you're a cover model. Yeah. So you're going to be signing autographs in every place? I don't know about every place. So okay. We had the... Uh, we had one opening at books, well, one book signing at Books a Million, but um, we're working on some some more places. I'm heavily pregnant, about to hint, enter my ninth month, so. Hey, uh, Sharita. Um, yes. I may need some help on here. I, I told her when she walked in here, I said, neither of us know how to deliver babies, so you're going to have to wait until you're <laughs> Yeah, I mean, over. I was there for three of them, but I had to stay out of the way. So <laughs> They said, stay over there, Mr. Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, so, but you, so you were doing, you, but you went ahead and did the book signing. How was that? Was that fun? It was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That was really different in that you got to interact with a lot of people that didn't know what Pantsuit Nation was or yeah. what it was about. And you had people from all across the board. So that was interesting. But I had my brother, who's a rather large man, for backup. He was your security guard. Yeah, he was security. I only could have one brother because the other one, like, he would have taken it way overboard, like Mr. Otis Martin style <laughs> overboard. Yeah. So um, How much do you charge? <laughs> I may need them. <laughs> so I've been making people mad lately. So I was like, I wondered that. And my sisters are good, but they're not quite as effective. Yeah, not, not as because uh, both my brothers were um, linemen and played football. Okay, so don't mess with them. Basically, yeah, handy. What were your perspectives in the book? Talk a little bit about what you wrote about. Uh, basically, I talked about one of those things. Like every mom, you when you first hear the heartbeat and know that there's a life of possibility, yeah. and then you go from that to watching the growth and how it all happens. But as the mother of a brown child, your your worries are different. Yeah, and and they shouldn't have to be. And uh, you know, I, I live and love and worship with a lot of different people, and to see those people just support policies that could endanger myself or my family and in the same breath say that they love me yeah. and love my son have just been really difficult. And um, I think, I can't remember, an invisible man, I think it's Ralph Waldo Emerson, I think that's the author, but he writes this whole thing about how he's a man with flesh and bone and all this, but you can't 
see him. And the thing of it is, I think a lot of our stories aren't seen. A lot of our perspectives aren't seen. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way with uh, everyone that I knew that were around me. Like, you you see me, but you don't. Right. I also felt like, do I need to be more vocal? How can I make myself more visible in the the struggles that that my family will face that are different from yours, more visible and make you more aware when you're going into the voting booth, when you're saying these things on Facebook, how it affects the everyday people that you say you love. I think it's good, too, you know, to get into a community and meet people and understand that way you start developing this little thing called empathy. Yes. We don't do empathy that well anymore. We don't. I think it's what you and I uh, talked a bit about you know, my background where I came from and just growing up in a small town and seeing the rebel flags and knowing that we're basically from the same socioeconomic status, but see someone hold on to something that's such an unholy idol and you're so much bigger than that. I think that that background has allowed me to be more empathetic towards people that believe differently for me to find that common way forward for right. a better path for all of us. Yeah. You know, you and of course, you've got a platform being an artist and a writer which is kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, that works out really well. Uh, what other stories by members have stood out to you that in from the book? That you're oh, um, there's some about um, some people coming in, their, their parent immigrants, they were, they were Japanese, mm-hmm. and how they supported, how they came in, the internment camps, but when 9-11 happened, we were all Americans. Yeah. Uh, all those kind of pulling points and people that are uh, women that wanted to be doctors but had to start as nurses, but now being able to vote, well, at the time being able to vote for a woman candidate, yeah. how much that meant for them, like what a pantsuit really meant for them. Right. Those are something that really stood out for me. I could imagine. As a portrait, it was a moment in history. Howard, where do you think the movement's going to go now? I mean, we're, you know, we're three or four months into the current president's term. Where do you feel like it's going over the next three years? I think it has a place to go into uh, a better area than before I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm young. Um, I'm a mom, but right. I have to be hopeful. I think having these conversations, these hard conversations with people are a part of moving forward and addressing things that we've been kind of trying to sweep under the rug, but they're still there. Uh, I think we're finally forced to look at them because they're mainstream now. Right. Isn't it amazing? And, and I can tell you this just as as an artist, when I first came here to Mississippi, you know, I drew cartoons. I was like, oh, that, that makes me mad or what, that makes me laugh or whatever, and I do it. When I had kids, boom, my whole perspective and world changed. Suddenly it became about every get up every day and it's like, I want to go make Mississippi a better place because exactly. I want my kids to grow exactly. up in a better place. Exactly. And one of the things that when you talk about being an artist, when I look back, I shared a little bit of a story, and I shared some of this uh, on the coast about my, my view when it came to the Confederate flag. Long yeah. story short, um, my brother was accosted by people that were the Clan in 93 waving Confederate flags. Mm-hmm. And it was a very scary time for me. And then to uh, have a son that goes to school and researches Mississippi and we have to put everything together. And there's that emblem again. But at the same time, like when you said being an artist, some of the people that were involved with the Klan uh, reached out to me when they saw some of my artwork about drawing their family. So it's how do I bridge that gap between us all? You know, what yeah. art... Uh, how how can art connect us? Because I haven't heard from these people in about 20 years. And to look at how art connects us and how to have a conversation going forward that engages and not shame people that were involved in that behavior. Right, right. You're right about art. And it's, um, of course, that's what we do so well here in Mississippi. 
Exactly. And people always ask me, you know, and I always tell them, what is it? Do we have great stories or great storytellers? But I think it's almost like an oyster in a way. We have that little grit, that little irritant that makes beautiful pearls. Definitely. Definitely on that. So um, are you going to be get to go do any more book signings? I am. Let me me have my baby first. Okay. Um, She's doing about a month. And uh, then we'll look at probably getting some more stuff together in the fall. Like that was just the initial part of it, but we're definitely moving forward with more. more so you're going to travel nationally some? Yes, definitely. Oh, that's cool. So you get to hang out with some of the celebrities? <laughs> a, a few. A few? Oh, okay. <laughs> Drop some names. We're, we've got time. Uh, I'm still working on, you know, of course, Libby's in Maine, so she and I are working on some things together. How is she? I mean, what's she like as a person? She's really down to earth and awesome. I mean, is this still blow her away? Because she started out like at 34 people, I think, initially. Yeah, exactly. And it went viral, boom, just like that. Yeah, so we're looking at doing some stuff in California, mm-hmm. New Orleans, um, looking at some stuff in Seattle. And a lot of it is kind of funny. I call them my book neighbors, the people that are uh, close to me on the covers, just yeah. connecting with them and looking at ways and paths to move forward. That's cool. Yeah, so, so in a way, this has turned out you just developed a whole nation full of friends. Yeah, That's and it's cool. even like across the nation, I've had people from other countries contact me as well. The book is, of course, Pantsuit Nation. It's a, a four-color, beautiful book. You're welcome at any bookstore. Available. Yes. That's right, and you will sign it as soon as you have your baby, right? Yes. <laughs> and congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Books a Million already yeah. has some autographed already copies. Have, oh, that's good. So yes. they don't have to come knocking on your door. Right. That's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having us. All right. Coming up, we're going to have Chad Wesley. Um, you're going to like his music. Uh, i tell you what, I was trying to think about how to describe it. Uh, it really is Mississippi music because it's got a little bit of everything. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Our next guest may recognize that person singing and might even recognize that guitar because, by golly, that's him. Chad Wesley's here from the Chad Wesley Band. Chad, it's good to see you, my friend. Likewise. How are you today? I'm doing great. I could have just, like, I mean, as much as I like talking to you, I could just sit there and listen to the music for the rest of the day. That's always good to know. Yeah, good stuff. Congratulations. Um, you got a great story. You start out in what forest, right? Yeah, that's my hometown. That's uh, that's where I grew up. Surrounded uh by my dad's uh, side of the family, and went to Forest High School there, and uh, had great memories. Still got great friends from there. Uh, still keeping contact with most of them. Uh, it was a great hometown to grow up in, but. Left there when I was 18. And, and went to the big city. Went to the big, thriving metropolis of Jackson, Mississippi, and that's where my budding career has been growing slowly but surely. Do you ever have the nightmare, I was talking about high school, we were talking about graduation earlier, do you ever have the nightmare that you like didn't complete one class and they want you to come back? 
Oh, man, it's funny you say that. I actually have had that recurring yeah. nightmare. I, I used to have it about college, too, and I'm thinking, well, I'll go back to college. That's fine. This is, I don't want to go back to high school. You came over here. When did you, when did you pick up the guitar start playing? I picked up the guitar uh, due to the influence of my, of my brother, my uncle, and my dad all playing. Picked it up when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of a savant when it comes to dates. I remember it was uh, December 20, 23rd, 1994. That's impressive. And I uh, asked my brother, I was like, hey, you know, and at that time, you know, he was he was just approaching his 20s and he was playing in a professional uh, a band then that my dad was managing. And I asked him, I said, uh, will you teach me how to play? I said, I want to play like Elvis Presley. You know, that was my first initial uh, influence. And he looked at me dead serious and said, if you promise to stick with it. Really? And, uh, I think I, I think you I kept proved him. I think I did keep that promise. But uh, yeah, I was I was eight years old, about to turn nine. And uh, shortly after that, actually the next day being Christmas Eve, my parents uh, had actually gotten me an acoustic guitar, a little nice. little small one. It, it fit me at that age. It would look like a ukulele Yeah, now. you look kind of like John Mayer now <laughs> with a little tiny guitar. Yeah, but I started playing then, and I just was relentless about it. I, man, I, I put, oh, God, school, girlfriends, uh, jobs, everything to the side. It just, it just consumed me. It was like a third arm. Isn't it amazing, that though, when you get a passion like that, suddenly everything else just kind of gets blurry and goes out of the way? Man, that's the key word, passion. Yeah. I live yeah. for it. So you got, the, you got the calluses on the fingers early on. Oh, man, uh, good luck trying to take blood from the tip of my fingers on my left hand. You, you'd have to have a really, really sharp needle. <laughs> you're 31 now, of course. Uh, talk about, how did you just say one day you're, you're playing when you're growing up? When did you decide, well, you know what, I want to make a living doing this? I know it may sound crazy, but uh, honestly, from then the and there, from yeah. the, I knew right then and there, like it was just like something had come programmed in me yeah. that this is my destiny, this is my fate, this is what I'll do for the rest of my life, and never shied away from it. I've, I, I didn't, I won't necessarily say I ever really caught ridicule for it, right? But of course, there were practical thinkers around me my whole life, you know. Hey, career, college, things like that, which, you know, now that I'm older, I completely am grateful for those people being in my ear. But I was one track minded, had tunnel vision, and I just I never steered clear off the goal. When I was eight years old, I knew I was going to be an editorial cartoonist, which everybody (laughs) thinks that's the weirdest eight year old in the world. But I knew I was going to do it. And so whenever you trip up Mm -hmm. and you fall down, it's easier to get back up because you know where you're going. Oh, yeah. And you did have a few trips along the way. Oh, yes, man. I've, I've made horrible mistakes bad financial investments, all the great things that you can do uh, and, and making mistakes on your way to your goal. But you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's like it's like creating a statue. You know, you, you chip away pieces and, and to chip away something, you have to hit it hard. You know, we're talking with Chad Wesley with the Chad Wesley Band. You can find more of their music at chadwesleyband.com. I want to jump in just a second, Chad. Do you think it's better to kind of start music at a younger age so you can, you know, get on the grind and experience those things and just get rid of that fear? at a a young age and go ahead and start doing it you think it's ever too late to start uh i do not believe it's ever too late to start your goals but i do agree that it is great to start them as a child because it conditions you mentally emotionally and spiritually to um to pick yourself back up when you fall down because that's inevitable no one has a easy way to the you know, to the top. I mean, even Michael Jordan didn't make well, except his. Except for Sharita, of course. <laughs> what? No, not true. <laughs> even Michael Jordan didn't make his high school team. You exactly. Know, so right. Everybody, no, Elvis didn't make, you know, high school choir. So, yeah, I mean, every, I mean, his everybody, teacher thought he couldn't sing. Everybody falls down. As yeah. a matter of fact, I didn't get accepted into my ninth grade choir. <laughs> you are kidding me. So, I mean, everybody, everybody, uh, everybody falls along the way, but it is good for a child, you know, and that's not just, 
in entertainment, that's in sports, that's in academics and anything a child, you know, wants to go into. My son loves math and um, I'm promoting engineering with him yeah. now and he's just already fascinated with it. And then mine is too. <laughs> it's like, I feel like a penguin watching his kid fly over. It's like, um, how did that happen? You know, you, you know, and I was just going to add something to what you were saying. Um, it's easier to start before you get a mortgage too. Yes. <laughs> Good <laughs> point, kids, you know, Amen. kids like to eat, you know, go figure. So right. they eat yeah, a they lot. Do. Your sound. Um, I, the best way I can describe your sound is Mississippi. Yes. And I think that's a very good compliment because, you know, everybody says we're the birthplace of America's music because we have so many different genres. And I can sit there and listen to one, listen to your album and I can hear little bits of everything in it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a literal like gumbo. How did you develop that sound? There's, there's a plethora of influences growing up here in Mississippi. Um, of course, with the roots music of country and blues marrying one another and creating rock and roll and rock and roll leading to... To, to the to the pop culture of of American history, being here in Mississippi, you know we can all sit here and talk about how hard it is, but on the lighter side of things, there's a lot of influence for good. So if you right. if you marry that yin and yang together, and and it really comes out of you from the inside out like it does when I play, you have that aggression that that anger that that feel, and then on the other side you have that those what I call the happy notes. And yeah. and when I when I merged all that together. I grew up listening to country, I grew up listening to blues, grew up listening to rock and jazz and all that stuff. And it just somewhere along the line, as as I started playing all the time once I reached my late teens, it did. It just emerged into the sound and, and people around me started taking notice that I was unique in what I did. And that's when that talk of college and career started turning more into, hey, man, do this music thing. Like, And then, and then it became more encouraging with the support around me. We're going to want to listen? Yeah, we'll listen. With good intentions, they're easily sold. So that's from your uh, LP, right? Uh, that's the song Wake Up. Now, Chad, do you write all of your songs? I do. Oh. Uh, I write all my lyrics and all of my music. I do have assistance from uh, from various musicians that I have recorded with. You know, if they hear a little part that should be a little different or sound a little better, better I am an open book, uh, contrary to popular belief, that <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes take input from other people. But mostly, yes. Lyrically, lyrically I am staunch about, you know, it being, you know, my thoughts and my emotions. But but musically, I've, I've taken some influence from those around me. I like this guy because I'm the same <laughs> way about my cartoon ideas. Everybody's like, hey, do you take suggestions? I'm like, no, I don't take And they look at me like I'm being rude. I'm like, look, if I'm going to get yelled at, it's going to be my idea, right? Yeah. On the writing part, do you start with the lyrics first? Do you start with the music first? What happens? Um, I would be embarrassed if anybody ever saw me actually writing a song because it, do, it does. It starts with a good guitar riff. And I, yeah. if I'm feeling the guitar riff, if there's some kind of groove or some kind of... Uh, emotion evoking type melody i usually just start humming in some language you know just trying to let words be born you know it sounds almost yeah. infant you know but uh, eventually if, if the, the emotions will pull out a certain type of subject matter out of me and then i just 
you know, framework poetry around that. And then, then it's born into a song. You put on a really good live show, and you're doing a lot of traveling. You've been all over the southeast, haven't you? Yes, I have about uh, 50 cities, 10 states so far, trying to trying to head out west here in the end of this year. Really? How are yeah. you building up that audience out there? Oh, man, uh, it's no mystery nowadays that social media helps yeah. so much. I mean, granted, it's, a, it's an ever-evolving pool of unnecessary stuff out there, but... It does help. It does help uh, artists who are serious, yeah, um, including my good friend here, Rita. Oh, oh yeah, she's never been serious about anything in her life. <laughs> right, it, it, it does help. Yeah. It does help with the, getting the videos out there yeah. and uh, getting the pics out there and the and the, and the write ups and all that stuff. It's easy to publish yourself nowadays, you know. Yeah, yeah Marshall knows a little bit about that. That is true. Self publishing. Yeah, because you don't have to wait for somebody to come tap you on the shoulder and say you're next. Yeah, you can right. go make it happen. Now, Chet, let me ask really quickly. Sure. Um, have you always lived in Mississippi? I will go ahead and say yes to that, but I was born in Alabama. I was born in Fairfield, Alabama. Oh, my God, he's a Yankee. Traitor. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just curious because uh, the thing that I'm experiencing now as a comedian is everybody's telling me I need to move. And so I'm just wondering why you've decided to stay in Mississippi and hone your craft here. Oh, girl, you and me both getting that. I've (laughs) always heard you're never going to be successful until you leave Mississippi. But I don't know. I just feel... I feel plugged into this state. I feel like it needs me. <laughs> it, it, it does. It does definitely need you and the music. And I have a friend who's a, one of the top entertainment lawyers in the country. And he said, you know, just remember, you need to grow where you're planted. Right. Right. And I keep remembering that. So on that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to continue talking with Chad Wesley, the Chad Wesley band. Ah, what a great Monday. Hope you're having a good one. This great show so far. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. to the incredible sounds of soul rock singer Chad Wesley of the Chad Wesley Band. You can find him, of course, chadwesleyband.com. I like that, soul rock singer. And singer-songwriter, so you write all your own stuff, which I always think is way better than somebody who, you know, doesn't write their own music. Because you feel like you get a little bit of that person Oh yeah, when you listen to songs. Um, I'm trying to think. You, you started out, you, you came out with an EP, mm-hmm. and then you got signed, but then you got unsigned. Yeah. And this whole business of, of the music business, um, how did you learn that part of it? Just hard knocks, or did I, you find a textbook? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of round holes out there, and I'm kind of an awkward shaped triangle. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's been hard to to find where to fit me in. And you know, I've tried uh, taking the avenue with other independent labels. I even I even formed an independent label myself, which was what released the the music that you've been hearing. Yeah. 
And then uh, my dream opportunity came along this year, and that was to uh, sign with the sub- subsidiary label Old Trace Records, which is a part of Malico Music Group. Right. And that's that's really where I wanted to be. I wanted to be home because yeah. where my family is, and and it was a great opportunity handed to me for a publishing and. And uh, now we're getting started on the, on my major debut record, so uh, I'm gonna put you know pull all the stops, put all my heart into it on this. So one. you're just doing the writing now on it? Uh, no writing. Uh, oh, you're done on the writing. So you yeah, got I've, the songs. I've, I've, okay. written, I've written this whole record. I mean, yeah. I probably have three or four records already written. So I'm just. Oh wow. So I'm, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I've had plenty of time to uh, get all that together. Yeah, I mean, talk about the the process of signing a deal and some of the things you must consider when when you're looking at that contract. Were some things that you that you demanded other than red M and M's in your you know green room whenever you go on concerts? <laughs> well, uh, the industry has changed, and um, we briefed on this momentarily. Yes. Ago. Um, the industry has changed, and and the, and the industry does like to only deal with self-established artists, right? But even being self-established, um, the industry doesn't really cater to you as much monetarily anymore as more or less opportunity-wise, right? They uh, they open up an avenue for you to to use their resources. To, to create a quality product to sell yourself out there, but right. you still have to do a lot of the legwork. You got to do the hustle. You got to get yeah. out there and do the concerts. So you're going to be out on the road quite a bit. With yeah, the, the industry has trimmed a lot of the fat. You know, they don't yeah. they don't have teams that do as much for you anymore as much as you do it for yourself. And you know, it's the same way in the publishing industry too. They used to have giant staffs that would do all the marketing and everything. Yeah. Guess what? You do the marketing now. Yeah, you write it. So on that, what's what can we expect with the new album? I mean, I w- is it, are you changing your sound? Or are you going to go like dolls and ch- go electronic or what? <laughs> well, Bruno Mars has actually been a huge influence on me lately with the fact that he is uh, capturing sounds from the past. Yeah. And I've always been told that I was a very nostalgic sounding artist. So what I would like to do on this record is try to capture the the time and era that a lot of people have told me that they feel when they yeah. listen to me or see me perform live, which is that late 60s early 70s uh feel of you know of of blue psychedelic rock and stuff like that like a, like a hendrix and and led zeppelin and stuff like that so i want to catch a, a big spacious roomy sound uh analog tones and stuff like that and i'm sure my next record i'll probably bump it up into the 80s and probably have some electro pop who knows that would be awesome Talk about the actual recording process because i know a lot of times some bands you go hear them live and they're a completely different band when they're live than when they get in the studio they just lose the energy how do you get that energy and bottle it and take it into the studio Honestly, uh, to, to say that, I, I have to say this. Um, when I released my EP, I went all out. I, yeah. I, I went very, very modern production, added a lot of extra stuff, horns, and, and I thought it was just a fantastic you know, recording. It was a four-song EP. But I, but I noticed there was a grumble out of my fan base that, well, this doesn't sound like you do live, you know, yeah. because live, it's just a lot of guitar and some thumping bass and drums. And uh, so the, so when I went to make the full length LP, I was like, OK, I'm just going to go in the studio. We're just going to play it live. If there's, you know, if there's small, slight human error. OK, right. oh, well, it's it's just going to be a raw, real bass drums and guitar driven record. And and that's what I did. So with this process, I'll probably uh, repeat a lot of that, you know, make it more make it guitar driven because the guitar is the star of the show. I, I just show up and back up the guitar. Exactly. Exactly. And that, your band members, I mean, you've got band members that have got Southern black gospel roots as well. Oh, yeah. That, but that adds a lot of extra flavor to it, doesn't it? Oh uh, man, the, the the music that black and white people create together is untouched, man. Yeah. It's just it's a it's it's the beauty of American culture at the heart of it, and especially coming out of Mississippi. I mean, that's the thing. I, I can I can see your band and I look at it. And go, well, that's Mississippi. Oh yeah, 
Oh, so. yeah, we are. Uh, the, the sound. You know, I have a, I have a song called One Beautiful Day where I kind of married two uh, spiritual musics together, like a type of, you know, Southern gospel meets, you know, Rastafarian reggae. Yeah. And I married those two together, but it was just the influences I had growing up, you know. Right. So, Chad, I'm curious to know, when you're performing live, how much do you stay in the pocket and how much do you just go off the grid and just kind of go off feeling in whatever the crowd is, uh, whatever direction the crowd is taking you? Um, my bet, my best friend, um, he, he, he's always told me that I go concert mode. It, it, didn't, it doesn't matter if I'm playing in a small venue or a large venue. When the, when the, when the song is right, the feeling is right and the crowd is right. I do tend to hit this comfort zone where I feel like, okay, we're going to draw this song out. We're going to take it into some different modes. We're mm-hmm. going to bring the yeah. dynamics up, the dynamics down. And I'm just going to try to pull out of myself things I've never even done before, because I feel like that is my one and only opportunity each time to take myself to that next level as a performer and an artist. And so I, I, I love to take a song off into the cosmos and put people in concert mode. I've had so many uh, re- uh, venue owners that have get complained, like nobody was dancing. And, uh, and my best friend would tell them that's because they were spectating. <laughs> they were deep <laughs> listening to everything. Dancing would have been a distraction. Well, Chad, Chad, uh, we'll just go ahead and wreck because we're unfortunately out of time. I wish we could do this all day. Where can folks find your music? Um, right now, you can find my album for free streaming on SoundCloud. It's an app you can download for free. Um, you can listen to the album all day and not pay anything. And you can pay, uh, get it on my website as well, chadwesleyman.com. Yeah, go that way because we want you to get some money. <laughs> yeah, chadwesleyman.com. You got a 10-year-old. He needs to eat. He needs oh, to eat. yeah. He loves to eat, too. <laughs> and, of course, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is Chad Wesley Band, right? Yes, at Chad Wesley Band. And, Chad, it's so good to have you in today. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. I appreciate thank you, it. Sharita, thank you for everything as well. We'll do this again next week. How about that? But in the meantime, I'd like to thank Chad. And, of course, uh, I want to thank Telemica as well. Good show. And we will do this again next week. It's, of course, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking. We'll see you all next week. Make y'all feel 